Exodus 28 to 11, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Psalm 63, 1 through 8. O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips when I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Ruth, for reading our scripture this morning. It is a powerful passage. And I pray that we carry it with us all week. In this month of February, we've been... Uh, going through this series together called Soul Care. And we've been talking about that, about which it is difficult to talk. Grief, depression, anxiety, trauma, suffering. Some of which many of us experience and some of which is on the rise in our culture. And one of our uh, missions as a church, it's part of our mission statement, is that we want to provide hope and healing in Christ to people who are hurting. And so we, as a pastoral team, decided we need to talk about this. And we need to talk about it in worship, in space that is safe and sacred while we hold the hand of God and do it. So we've been talking about it this month. We want to name it, take some of the teeth out of it, And we want to give us a shared language and say that it is good and strong and okay to ask for help when we need it and please do. Some people have shared with me that the sermons have been hard to hear. And we get that. And far more have shared with me that they've been helpful. And I'm thankful for that. It is our prayer that though the sermon series will wrap up today, that the conversations that are part of them will not wrap up. Some of those conversations are just getting started, so let us keep talking about them together. Because I hope you know that suffering does not shock God. And Jesus is uh, well too aware of it and offers us maximum support within it. And so for those of you who know these experiences about which we've been talking firsthand, please know 
that you are not alone. That first and foremost, God is with you and your church is with you. Your pastors, Jeff, Monica, and I, and our Christian counselor on staff, Keith Priest, are here for you and are available to talk and be a listening ear. So lean on us as we lean all together on God as a church. To conclude the series today, we're going to talk about stress. We don't have any of that. Uh, What we're going to do is talk about stress in the presence of God and see how God offers us rest in the midst of it. Rest through the gift of Sabbath. Resting in our relationship with God. For none other fills us quite so much. Would you pray with me? Holy, holy God. Oh, let us rest in you. Let us find our peace in you. For you offer peace like none other. Lord, may the meditations of our hearts, the words of our mouths, be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, for you are our rock and our redeemer and our savior, our refuge, and in your wings we sing for joy. Amen. There is astounding wisdom in the traditional Jewish Sabbath that it begins precisely at sundown, whether that comes at a wintry 4.30 or late on a summer evening. The old, wise Sabbath says stop now. Sabbath is not dependent on our readiness to stop. We do not stop when we are finished. If we only stop when we are finished, we will never stop. With every accomplishment, there arises a new responsibility. Every swept floor invites another sweeping. Every child bathed invites another bathing. If we refuse rest until we are finished, we will never rest until we die. Sabbath dissolves the artificial urgency of our days because it liberates us from the need to be finished. As the sun touches the horizon, Take the hand off the plow, put down the phone, let the pen rest on the paper, turn off the computer, leave the mop in the bucket and the car in the drive. The galaxy will somehow manage without us for this hour, this day, and so we are invited, nay commanded, to relax and enjoy our relative unimportance our humble place at the table in a very large world. The Lord will take care of things for a while. In this Sabbath time, O Lord, calm me into a quietness that heals and listens and molds my longings and passions, my wounds and wonderings, my questions, faults, and fears into a more holy and human shape. I need rest. I need Sabbath. I need you.
there are those moments when our need for God is inescapable. When our need for God to rest in God just overwhelms us. I want to tell you a story about someone I'll call John. It begins with a lump of clay at the center of a potter's wheel. John was on a mission trip with his church. They were repairing homes in an impoverished area. And the retreat center had a potter's wheel in it. And so the people who were leading the retreat told all of the participants, make time, whatever you do this week, make time at some point to sit at that potter's wheel and mess with the clay. John thought that sounded odd, a little artsy. He was a military guy, really wasn't his thing. But he was also very dutiful. And so if something was expected of him, he was going to follow through. So he made point one night to go sit in front of that potter's wheel and mess with that lump of clay. And as he did, he noticed something. That he started out, you know, put it on the center and then he'd start to stretch it different directions. It might get too thin, too pulled, too stretched and it would collapse. He'd have to bring it back to the center. Then he'd start to stretch it out again in different ways and he'd stretch it too far and it would collapse he'd have to bring it back to the center he'd start to work it again and stretch it this way and that all at the same time and it would collapse again he'd have to bring it back to the center he found out that it can only be stretched so far before it begins to collapse interesting the next day when he was hammering nails on a wheelchair ramp That experience with the clay kept rolling around in his head. And he realized that God was trying to show him something in that messy lump of clay. He realized that uh, he was the clay. That he was being stretched too far, too thin, in too many directions at once. And he was about to collapse. And he figured it was time God was telling him to return to the center to return to his faith in God. John started thinking, I'm working way too many hours, and yet work needs me. My wife is just as busy in her career. We both get home late at night. Our schedules are so different, we're starting to drift apart. My marriage needs me. One of my children was just diagnosed with ADHD. The other one struggling in school. My kids need me. He said, I'm coaching the soccer team in the county. The team needs me. I can't keep up with the grass and cut it often enough. The yard needs me. The basement is starting to leak. One of the rooms upstairs needs painting. The house needs me. The car is making a strange noise. The car needs me. My parents are getting older. My parents need me. And he realized he was being stretched in far too many directions at once, all at the same time, and was about to collapse. So that night, he took an intentional Sabbath and took a long, long walk so that he could talk with Jesus that night in prayer. 
returning to the center matters. Reverend Wayne Muller tells a similar story in his book, Sabbath, and I'm wondering this morning, in what way are you a little like that clay today? Life stretches us, does it not? I think that needs a weary amen. (laughs) Stress is real for all of us, for students, children, teenagers, adults, for parents. Parents of young children, parents of teenagers, parents of older children, parents, period, married parents, single parents, people who are not parents, workers, teachers, military, civilian, business owners, pastors, every one of us is dealing weekly, regularly, daily with stress and watching the news of this week unfold in Ukraine. Our hearts are breaking and are we fearful, concerned? What do we do with that? How is the world stage beginning to change? Stress is real for all of us, whoever you are. And these last two years have not helped. They have exacerbated the stress that was already there, and now people sometimes can't even talk to each other because things have grown so contentious. There's the stress that we create, and then there's the stress that comes outside of our control. And if we could sit and write it all down, the paper would never be long enough. What do we do with that? When the clay stretches us beyond what can hold, in what way can we stop and return to the center and return to the God who has made us and is larger than we are, return to God for support? I've been drawn to roots lately myself, not lumpy clay, but roots. The point, though, is the same. Often when I run or walk, I ask God before I take off to draw my attention to where God wants it to be. And over and over again for months, almost a year now, my attention has been drawn underneath my feet to root systems. Why in the world would God be drawing my attention to the roots beneath my feet? I've been praying about that. And what I've been learning from God is that roots matter. We know that, don't we? Having roots so that when the wind blows and the stress comes, we've got something on which to stand and something that grounds us. God has been telling me over and over for months now that what we count on as roots matters. And so let us dig them deeply, deeply into God and rest in that relationship that we have with the God who made us. Because God says, no matter what comes, I will not let you go. For many years, I was John in that story. It's about 20-some years ago in the late 90s. I was working 60, 70, and I am ashamed to admit sometimes 80 hours a week. I was serving another large church in Virginia. And you know, ministry never stops. One night, I found myself sitting in the bathroom floor. 
not able to get up and not wanting to. Like clay that has been stretched beyond what it can withstand. I needed to return to the center. It was for me a huge wake-up call that something needed to change. I taught the practice of Sabbath at church. I taught spiritual growth courses, led spiritual retreats for others. I told other people about the importance of taking care of yourselves, your whole selves. I taught lots of people about the importance of soul care. I was a sorry example of it. What a hypocrite, really. My work was my worth, or so I thought. I loved my work, but I hadn't been able yet to learn healthy boundaries to put around it. Who did I think I was? That was not healthy, not sustainable, and not okay. And I knew that night in the bathroom floor that something had to change. So I reached out for help and contacted a Christian counselor in the area and said, help me learn how to live a different way and help me learn a different way to be in ministry because I love it and I want to do this for the long haul. And as a runner, you'd think I would have known that. Life is more like a marathon than a sprint, and so in order to keep the pace for the distance, I needed to slow it down. What I discovered with that good help was something that God had given us thousands of years before in the repeated, commanded gift of Sabbath. To reconnect with God, to rest in that relationship with God, to find our root system in God and make time to nourish that. And I've taken Fridays off as much as possible ever since. You'd think a pastor could have figured that out, knowing the Ten Commandments and all. But pastors aren't the wisest folks, (laughs) apparently. And we can justify our own stuff just like anybody else. And are unfailingly human. (laughs) Taking intentional time for a holy pause matters and is critical for our well-being and our lives and the care of our souls. And I regret that I had to learn that the hard way and I've had to learn it again since then. The need for Sabbath as a way to deal with stress and life is built into the way we are made in the image of God. When you open the Bible, you look at the first book and the second chapter, the first page, what does God do? God works hard, and then God rests and says that is good and tells us to do it too. Ruth read that for us in Exodus 20 today, that the commandment for Sabbath is, of course, part of the Ten Commandments, not only a really good suggestion. Exodus 20 names all of those Ten Commandments, and I think God made it a commandment, perhaps because God knew we would have a hard time with it, that Protestant work ethic and all. 
And then have you noticed that there's Jewish law has some 600 additional laws around it because a lot of us have a hard time remembering and observing the gift of rest. Jesus models the platform for us too, models that pattern where especially in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus engages wholeheartedly and then pulls back in prayer. Engages wholeheartedly and then pulls back in prayer. You'll see it again and again, but particularly when you read the Gospel of Luke. Sabbath is this regular practice of stopping to be present to God's presence with us. To center ourselves, to root ourselves for a day, an hour, a moment. Some time is better than no time. And I love that the Jewish tradition of Sabbath starts at the same time, whether we're ready for it or not. When and how do you make time for the gift of Sabbath? I talked to a lot of people in the last couple of weeks to ask how they observe it. And our lives don't all work the same way. We're in different seasons, so the answers to the question vary, but I want to share them with you. One person said to me, a Sunday afternoon nap without fail. Another person said to me, it's time to walk and pray with a friend. Another said, it's when I get together with my small group. Another person said, it's when I read the Bible every morning when I have my breakfast. Someone else said, I listen to Christian music when I drive or sometimes in the evening at home. And another person said to me, Pastor Emily, you've got to be kidding. I've got a baby and a three-year-old rest. (laughs) She said, what I do is maybe one less load of laundry that day. (laughs) She said, but then I do hug my babies a little tighter. And I thank God for that. Another person said, what I do, Pastor Emily, is I take 10 minutes longer in the shower that day and spend that time in prayer. Whatever Sabbath looks like for you, please, please make time for it. To rest in that relationship with God and how much God loves you and relish in that. One person said, I go outside in the front yard and play catch with my little boy because I know he won't be little forever. And I tell myself that it's okay that the laundry and the dishes can just wait. My hope and prayer for you is that you discover the gift and commandment of Sabbath before you wind up on the bathroom floor. I pray that you enjoy it long before you get there. And I want to tell you, too, that the answer I heard to the question more than any other was when people said worship. Whether we're online, whether I get to go in person, It's worship with the people called Ebenezer when we come together being with one another. That time is when I just let go and rejoice and relax in that relationship with God in that space and time of worship. Sabbath interrupts stress. 
It's what it's meant to do. And it gives it less control over our lives and over us. When we stop for Sabbath, we become aware of our center and our roots in God and the fact that it is God who sustains us and not ourselves. Dr. Edward Wimberly suggests that Sabbath frees us from those cultural myths of self-sufficiency and that cultural myth of the need to over-function and over-schedule. It breaks that and is a holy stabilizer for us. Or as the upper room says, it reminds us that our need for God is absolute, unending, and urgent. St. Augustine put it this way, that our hearts are restless until we find our rest in God. And thousands of years ago, the psalmist put it even better than that in what Ruth read so beautifully for us today. Psalm 63 tells us again and again of how God is the one who sustains us Tradition says that David wrote it when he was hiding out from King Saul who was trying to kill him. He was out in the wilderness. And that stress and strain and anxiety, that's when he discovered anew that we can rest in God. So I invite you to do that today. In fact, I invite you to rest in that psalm and read it over and over again this week. And I thought, what better time than the present to have a little Sabbath with God? So today, I want to say that whatever God says to you is far more important than what I say to you. And so I invite you to just be comfortable somewhere, wherever you are here in the sanctuary, wherever you are watching online. Be comfortable because I want to read Psalm 63 again. And I want to invite you to let those words wash over you that this, these next few moments would be a Sabbath for you. You can close your eyes if you want, take a deep breath. And after I read the psalm, we're going to go into a closing prayer. And then we'll go into our closing song, which is about how no one but Christ sustains us. I invite you now to be comfortable as you hear the words of Psalm 63. O God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there's no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, and I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. My soul is satisfied as with a rich feast, and my mouth praises you with joyful lips. When I think of you on my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, 
And in the shadow of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. And your right hand upholds me.